Religion has profoundly influenced the sweeping American narrative from the times of the indigenous peoples to the present. The startup Digital First National Museum of American Religion is the nationally recognized center for presenting, interpreting, and educating the public about what religion has done to Americans and what Americans have done to religion. It invites all to explore the role of religion and the freedom that fuels it in shaping the social, political, economic, and cultural lives of Americans, and thus, America itself. Listen to our new program, The Making of Us, Lived Religion in America, by joining Chris Stevenson, host of the podcast series, Religion in the American Experience, and hear personal stories about religion's influence on the lives of the nation's citizens. It is through hearing these stories that we can better comprehend ourselves, our communities and the nation, and see more clearly how the American project can endure. Episodes will be released on the first and third Mondays of each month on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Register for notifications on our website, www.storyofamericanreligion.org, under the Sign Up tab. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Making of Us, Lived Religion in America, a program of the National Museum of American Religion's podcast series, Religion in the American Experience. Daniel Walker Howe is an American historian who won the 2008 Pulitzer Prize for History for his book, What Hath God Wrought? The Transformation of America, 1815 to 1848. Daniel, thank you so much for meeting with us today. Thank you for inviting me. The National Museum of American Religion, as I've told you, is working on documenting religion's influence on individual and ordinary American citizens. What you share is going to help us very much in that quest. Can you tell us, first off, a little about yourself? Well... Uh, let's see. Um, I was born in Ogden, Utah, back in 1937. I'm an American historian, uh, a history professor, now retired. Um, I uh, taught uh, at uh, Yale for seven years, and then I taught at UCLA for 19 years, and then I taught at Oxford University in England for 11 years, and then I retired. <laughs> and um, uh, I've published several books, uh, which tend to be, uh, they're about American uh, cultural history and uh, uh, religion is uh, quite important in the history that I write about. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, growing up and uh, sure. working with Absolutely. the college. And... Yeah. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> my father was a newspaper man who lost his job uh, during the Great Depression. And the newspapers had to cut back. Uh, but uh, my father then got a job 
with uh, the New Deal's uh, WPA, the Work Progress Administration, uh, which hired unemployed people. And he was so fortunate because he was hired to work on uh, the uh, state guidebooks. And he worked on the Utah State Guidebook. Uh, I was born in Utah and he was uh, two. And um, so uh, I owe my being a historian to my father. Uh, he would take me for uh, walks in the park as a, when I was a child and he would tell me about the American Indians or about the American Revolution. And I would be fascinated by this. And uh, so that's really why I became a, res uh, a, a historian. But my father tragically died when I was only eight years old. Mm. Um, he had had rheumatic fever as a child. It left him with a weak heart. Nowadays, that can be treated and remedied and so on. But uh, he died in 1945 when these remedies were not yet mm. available. So uh, <clears throat> then uh, I myself was ill for quite a while uh, after my father had died. And uh, then uh, my, neither of my parents uh, went to church. Uh, mm. uh, and how I became a Christian is kind of a funny little story. We'd love to hear it. Um, my, I had uh, a schoolmate, a friend, uh, and this kid sang in the choir of St. John's Episcopal Cathedral in Denver, Colorado, which is where my family was living uh, at the time my father died. And uh, so um, he sang in the choir. Well, the choir master told the choir boys, it was a four-part choir, soprano, alto, tenor, bass. But the soprano and alto parts were sung by boys. Uh, and so the choir master offered 50 cents to any boy who would recruit another boy to come sing in the choir. So this kid recruited me to come sing in the <laughs> choir so that he could get 50 cents. Well, I did come to sing in the choir, and I loved it. And the choir rehearsed on Mondays and Wednesdays after school, and then on Thursdays in the evenings, when the men as well as the boys could sing. And of course, then we... Uh, sang for the cathedral services at 11 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. Well, 
my singing in the choir had two very large consequences for me. One is that uh, I became a Christian and uh, specifically an Episcopalian. Uh, and uh, the other was that I came to love classical music. Right. Uh, is that was the second uh, impact that it had. Well, uh, my mother had been brought up a Mormon, but uh, she had stopped uh, 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 going to the Mormon services and she married a husband who was not a Mormon, what the Mormons call Gentiles. Right. I don't know if you knew that, but maybe you did. Anyway, so um, it was okay with my mother when I uh, became a Christian and asked her if I could be baptized and uh, then confirmed in the Episcopal Church, and that was okay with her. So uh, I did these things when I was, by that time, about 10 years old. Just 10. Uh, wow. And uh, so that's uh, how I first became a Christian. I sang in that boys' choir until I went away to college. Wow. With your friend? Uh, so I, uh, when my voice changed, I became first an alto and then a tenor and then a bass. And, um, okay. So, um, let, let me ask you when I, I went to Harvard College because uh, I got a scholarship there, which quite astonished uh, my mother and me. Uh, we'd always just imagined I would go to the University of Denver. Right. But um, I, I got a scholarship to Harvard and uh, went there, and I sang in the Harvard Glee Club. So I got to continue with my uh, singing and music, and I took piano lessons, and I took wow. organ lessons okay. from the organist at the cathedral. Okay. So um, let, let let me ask you let me ask yes. you uh, about uh, the religion of your parents. So your mother was um, had a faith. Your father uh, before former. Well, my father had been brought up a Presbyterian. Okay, but when you were young, before he passed away, I guess were there religious influences in your life? At all? No, it doesn't seem so. Is that no, correct? No, there weren't. Okay. There weren't. There weren't. Uh, no. We, and so when people would ask me about Sunday school or church or something, I'm this little tyke, and I would say, we're not affiliated with any church. And they would usually think this was kind of amusing that this little tyke would say something like that, but I was just mimicking what I had heard my parents say, of course. We're not affiliated. Okay. Well, that's a growing segment now, right? Not affiliated. Yeah. yeah. So, so once, uh, and, and thank you so much, uh, again, for, for being willing to be interviewed and also for what you just shared uh, of your early years. When you, I guess, were 10 and, and were baptized in the Episcopal Church, um, can you then describe for us the religious influences on you from 10 until you left for college? What did that look like? 
your mother wasn't oh, active in any church, I mother, guess. My mother only went to the cathedral, only went to any kind of church. If I was singing a solo. Okay. Choir, okay. Which was not that often. Right. So, um, she continued with her life much as she had had, which as she had done before. But I uh, became very enthusiastic. And I mentioned that the organist gave me organ lessons. And so when I became a teenager, I would not only go to church on Sunday mornings and sing in the choir, I would also attend uh, a, a service in the chapel, which was organized by and for teenagers. And I would play the little organ in the chapel. So um, I got quite involved, you see. Right in uh, religious services um, and okay. um, after I grew up and had a family of my own, uh, I became a lay reader and uh, taught Sunday school. Okay. So that uh, religion uh, occupied a lot, a lot of activities right. uh, in my life. I prayed. Uh, I prayed every day at home when you were in at, still at home, right? As a, both as a schoolboy and uh, uh, an adult. And um, religion was quite important to me. This is very fascinating that, that this wasn't really done at home, but you got your uh, religion uh, primarily from the Episcopal Church where you went as a friend of a member and then became a member yourself, but with no yes, parental exactly. involvement. What, yeah. did, what did that sort of look like as far as the church helping you uh, learn about and adopt Christian principles? How did that how did that happen? Well, of course, the Episcopal Church, especially in those days, we're talking about the 1950s mainly now. Okay. Um, and they had uh, set prescribed services. And um, I could memorize stuff easily as a kid. I don't memorize things very well now that I'm in my 80s, but I memorized things very well. So I would memorize the services, you mm. see. And uh, so uh, I could recite the prayers without having to even look at them in the prayer book. Okay. What they were. And uh, this was an important part of my life. Uh, and I loved the prayers and I loved 
uh, knowing them by memory. And um, I loved, uh, I had a younger brother who yeah. also joined the choir when he got old enough to do so. And I loved kind of um, being his mentor and uh, teaching him about things, uh, mm. re religious things. Right, right. Um, okay. So. And, and your mother, um, she would come if you had a solo, but she herself didn't uh, become a member of any particular church as you were growing up in the 50s or, or, or sort of change her religious habits. She was pleased that you were going and your younger brother was going, but that was sort of the extent of her religious activity. Is That's that about it? Yes. I okay. think the thing is that you see, she'd been brought up a Mormon, as I said, and but then in, as a young adult, she left that church. And that kind of ended her personal religious life. Uh, okay, right. Okay, just sort of put it behind her, shut yeah. that door. Yes. Can you share with us maybe three or four things that you brought out of your growing up years as far as religious principles that were important to you and sort of uh, helped you as you moved on into your young adult and adult years? What were those things you learned in the 1950s from the Episcopal Church that you really took with you and that, from your perspective now, were really impactful? Well, okay, yes. Um, the, uh, the church that I attended uh, St. John's Cathedral in Denver had a very famous, uh, well-known dean, uh, the chief uh, priest, you know, at a cathedral is called the dean. And uh, uh, his name was Paul Roberts, and he was an ardent liberal Democrat and uh, so his sermons often uh, addressed uh, social causes uh, like civil rights, for example. And um, this uh, took home with me very much and it caused my, uh, my liberal politics and my religion to be closely associated with each other in my mind. Um, uh, both my parents were ardent liberal Democrats too, as you might imagine, since the New Deal had helped my father so much when right. uh, he lost his job uh, and uh, he lost his job. It was before I was born, but um, my parents also lost their savings in a bank, which failed. And in those days, mm. banks weren't yet insured by the federal government. So 
there was a period of about six months when my parents actually went and camped out. Their, their car was about the only property they had. Mm, wow. And uh, they, uh, so neither of them had a job and they were living camped out. And then finally, uh, my father got a job. Uh, he, first, he managed to get a job as a school teacher. And then from then, from there, he got a job uh, working for the Federal uh, Writers Project on this Utah State Guidebook. And then from then on, he went to several federal government jobs. And um, so he was working for Social Security in Denver at the time he died. Uh, well, um, anyway, all of this made uh, my, uh, my, I've been a very liberal Democrat all my life. I still am, as I'm still an Episcopalian and a Christian. And uh, uh, when I got married, uh, my wife, who had been brought up a Presbyterian, uh, joined the Episcopal Church. Okay. And was confirmed as an Episcopalian, and we brought our three children up uh, in that okay. denomination of Christianity. Can I, can I go back a little bit? I, I want to talk about yes, your father. Yes. Your father yes. was a Presbyterian. Where did he grow up, and how uh, religious was he? Uh, you know, bef as a person, um, you know, as a youngster, and then growing up. Tell yes. us a little bit about him religiously. Um, Okay, my father, uh, as I told you, uh, grew up in Utah. Okay, he grew up there too, okay. Uh, and uh, the reason why his family lived in Utah was that his father worked for the railroads. And okay. um, you might know that uh, when the uh, Transcontinental Railroad was first established in 1869 after the Civil War, that it was in Utah where the two uh, met. But of course, uh, many, I guess most people in uh, Utah, certainly in the days when my father was growing up, were Mormons. And he wasn't a Mormon. Uh, uh, so um, he was, they were a little bit outsiders that way. Right. But um, my father, he did not attend church during uh, the lifetime that I remember. And he, and he married a woman who was a former Mormon and who wasn't going to church. But he had a very private, personal, uh, religious life, even though he didn't go to church. Now, uh, the Second World War, was uh, starting to happen, I remember. My, well, it was not just starting, it was happening. Because my father died in 1945 
about the same time that the Second World War finally came to an end. Right. Uh, anyhow, so I'm as a little child, and I can remember my father telling me that uh, Jesus is on the side of the Allies in the war. The Nazis are terrible and evil people. And um, mm. uh, Jesus would uh, lead uh, people uh, to fight for freedom and uh, faith and religion and so on. Okay. So, um, so he had, uh, he, he wanted to serve in the army, but he couldn't because remember he had a weak heart, which killed him when he was only 43 years old. Right. Um, okay. But uh, his, his own personal religion was fervently hostile to the axis of the Second World War. Okay. And, and your mother, uh, one last question about your mother. So do you know why she left the, the church of her youth and sort of shut the door on religion sort of emphatically? <laughs> yes. Uh, She was already in the process of leaving the Mormon religion before she met my father. But of course, meeting my father helped confirm her uh, wanting to leave. Uh, her sister remained a devout Mormon all her life. And so I have Mormon cousins, mm. my mother's sister's children, right. who... Uh, uh, were uh, were Mormons all their lives too. Um, and we've been quite friendly with them. Uh, I've written about Mormonism in my capacity as a historian. Okay. Uh, and uh, I've written about it pretty sympathetically. And as a result, um, uh, my writings are quite popular, not only with Mormon people, but with leaders in the Mormon church, too. They like what I've written about Mormonism. Uh, okay. But you don't remember any of the details of, of her growing up in that faith and, and maybe why she left? I don't think she approved of the uh, gender ideas of the Mormon church. Of course, the Mormons had already given up polygamy uh, at this time, uh, but uh, they've always emphasized uh, gender differences and that uh, women uh, are 
best as homemakers and mothers. Okay. And that was something she had a little bit of friction with. Okay. Well, thank you for this history of, of your parents um, and, and of you up through high school. Maybe you can give us a few details about how um, religion influenced you uh, and your wife as parents. You've given us a little bit, but oh, maybe some okay. additional well, yes. specifics. We, we were quite uh, eager to involve our kids in church. And uh, they sang in children's choirs uh, when uh, we were raising them in Los Angeles. Uh, and... Uh, they sang in children's choirs, and uh, they uh, uh, became, uh, you know, acolytes. Uh, actually, uh, girls didn't have as many opportunities to be acolytes as little boys did in those days. Nowadays, the church doesn't make any distinctions, but... Uh, but I, we had two sons and a daughter, and the two sons were both uh, acolytes, as well as singing in the choir. Um, and uh, we have pictures of them around the house with uh, are the kids wearing, uh, you know, their vestments and so forth. And... Uh, they, uh, <laughs> funnily enough, um, all three of our kids kind of married uh, outside the church. Uh, our daughter uh, married a Jewish man. Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, both of our sons married Roman Catholic women. Uh, but uh, one, of, one of these Roman Catholic women left uh, their church. Our son uh, tried to bring his kids up as Episcopalians, but that hasn't been terribly successful because their mother has so little interest in uh, fostering it. Um, right. Did, did you do Bible reading at home, prayers at the table with your children? Yes, yes, okay. yes. So there was a lot of in-home religious uh, instruction. We, we would say grace for meals and uh, and uh, we uh, observed uh, Christian holidays and would say prayers at home right during these holidays okay so thing uh, thing Christmas and Thanksgiving and so forth were big deals and religious explicitly religious big right. deals. and it sounds like you were at church every sunday basically with your children yes. growing up yes 
Okay. Let me ask sort of a higher altitude question here as we wrap up. Um, and thank you for sharing some of these personal uh, memories of, of your family. Let me just say one thing else. Sure. Before. Absolutely. And that is that uh, religion was also very important in my professional life. Okay. Because as a historian, I have often written about religious history. I, and as an American historian, I've tended to write about American religion. I've already mentioned, you, you see, that I had a lot to say about Mormonism, writing American history. Mormonism is significant, uh, but I've also written about um, the, uh, religious anti-slavery movement, you see. And uh, I've written about the Quakers and uh, I, I, I've written about uh, a lot of uh, American religion has been very important. In I gave a class, I taught a whole course on the history of religion in the United States before I retired. I mean, I don't teach courses anymore, but when I was actively teaching, and this was quite uh, engaging, both for me and the students. And I enjoyed right. so much. I, when I had office hours and the students would come to see me if they so wished. And we could talk about there, because the students who took the course in American religion were often students in whose own lives religion had been significant. That's why they were interested in the subject. Right. And um, so, of course, uh, they uh, might be have been Catholics and Jews as well as Protestants. Um, and... Uh, we would have discussions in class and so forth. And uh, it was uh, it was often quite illuminating uh, in a to lead a class of students talking uh, about uh, religion and uh, Christianity. Right. Well, thank you. That's important to note that it was also uh not just personal, but professional. But professional as well as personal. Yep, that's significant. For me, yeah. You have shared with with us already how being religious is a very, very important part of your identity. Um, would you maybe here at the end sh share with our listeners um, why you why religion is important to you as an american citizen so not just as a per you know not just personally but uh i mean is it important to you as an american citizen and why why is religion important to you as an american citizen in 2021 considering our particular mm -hmm. political and cultural landscape Okay, yes. Um, America is still 
uh, a uh, religious country. And more, religion is more important in this country than it is in many other countries, especially other economically developed countries. Um, and um, I'm happy that that is the case. And I want to keep religion. I want to keep America a religious country. Uh, and uh, I, I sympathize a lot with uh, President Eisenhower's famous comment that uh, religion is very important in America. And he added, and I don't care what it is, meaning he didn't care which religion you were talking about, but it was important in America and for Americans. And uh, I share Eisenhower's attitude in that regard. Um, many of the people who settled in America settled in this country because they were able to express themselves religious, their religious freedom here, going all the way back to the time of the Puritans. Now, of course, everybody nowadays says, oh, but the Puritans weren't that tolerant of other people's religions. And that is true. And that is not commendable. But the uh, fact is that in many ways, the Puritans were, by the standards of their own age, relatively enlightened. And for example, they allowed women more religious freedom and uh, more right to uh, religious leadership than most other uh, people did in the 17th century. So, okay. Um, I think that uh, religion has been and still is an important fact making uh, people in this country good citizens and I don't mean that, I'm not downgrading religion uh, to making it merely uh, something that is helpful uh, to our civic and uh, political system. I think it is helpful to our political and, uh, and civic system, uh, but I, would turn that upside down as well and say a part of what's good about our civic and uh, political system is that it's helpful to religion. Um, so um, many of the best things about America uh, derived from religion. Our 
educational system was created by religious people who wanted children to know how to read the Bible, so that, uh, to, and that's why they wanted them to be literate, so they could read the Bible. It meant that not only boys, but girls too, needed to be literate and go to school because they too needed to read the Bible and share it with their children in turn. Uh, so there's a lot of aspects of American life that derive from religion. Um, okay, fair enough. Let me just ask one last question to dig a little bit deeper into what you just said. Uh, as you know, there's a growing sentiment out there that um, religion uh, is not part of the solution, but even it is part of the problem, right? That religion is a negative influence in the American project. What would you say to those who believe that or are seeing that in the newspapers or hearing that? What would you say to them from your perch as a uh, historian and as uh, someone who has been religious since... Uh, he was 10 years old. Religious people disagree with each other, and that's why there are lots of different religions. Um, so, some, uh, I don't agree with everything that every religious person uh, believes or thinks. So, of course, some, some religious people disagree with me about some things. Um, even people who practiced slavery might well think that they were devout Christians, uh, but uh, it was uh, a tragic uh, defect in their religious attitude if they practiced slavery. Um, religion itself doesn't guarantee that you will have the right ideas about everything. Uh, but uh, it can be a very helpful and wholesome aspect of your life Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Daniel, for your time. I very much appreciate you taking some time today and sharing with us uh, personal experiences about religion's influence on your life. And I think that has, well, I know it has given us a 
a better understanding of what um, religion has done to Americans and what Americans have done to religion, including, uh, which you mentioned, the establishment uh, of this revolutionary and indispensable idea of religious freedom as a governing principle in, in the United States. The podcast series, Religion in the American Experience, is a project of the National Museum of American Religion. Episodes will be released on the first and third Mondays of each month on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Register for notifications on our website, www.storyofamericanreligion.org, under the sign-up tab.